This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. I suppose even if we don't read the Bible at all, we're all acquainted with the parables that Jesus taught. He spoke in parables to the people, and often they didn't understand exactly what he was talking about. And that was purposely done. But what Jesus did try to do was to use everyday events so that those to whom he was talking would understand from the circumstances they lived in as well all about it and so lots of it was about say agriculture and things like that but they always were given so that those people to whom he addressed the parable had to make a decision he used examples where they really had to come to a conclusion and then ultimately make a decision. Now we're not going to go into a lot of background on the parables because I know that you've been doing it for the last month or so. But we do know that the parables are found within the three, as they're called, synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark and Luke. But they do represent a key part of the teachings of Jesus. And you may be surprised to learn that they form approximately one third of his recorded teachings. That's quite a lot. And obviously it was a technique that Jesus used frequently in his preaching of the gospel message. The good news if you like. Now the number of parables that he actually spoke will vary with whom you speak or with whom you have a look at a commentary uh, and some will go from about 33 to even 50 but generally it's thought that Luke contains about 24 of which about 18 are unique to the gospel of Luke Matthew contains 23 11 of which are unique and Mark contains 8 and two of which are unique with obviously John not featuring in this so there are a lot of parables that Jesus spoke and we're just going to confine ourselves to those because if you do go into the Old Testament there are parables there but that's not the purpose this afternoon and we've been given the subject of discussing and talking about the parables of Jesus the kingdom of heaven what do we mean and what do we understand like that well, in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's only in the Gospel of Matthew, we find that Jesus prefixes many of his parables by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he gives us the parable. So what he is doing is comparing the kingdom of heaven with the story that he recounts. Now, we won't go into the details of the kingdom of heaven too much now, but you'll see as we talk about the individual parables what the kingdom's all about. And it's not the subject again for this afternoon in any detail, but the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom 
which will be set upon this earth when the Lord Jesus returns again. Now, that's a huge statement to me, but we can back it up with a lot of scripture. But one must realize when we look at these things that the essence of what Jesus was saying was that he will come back. He was crucified, as you know. He will come back and he will set up a kingdom. And those who have been faithful will get a place in that kingdom and will live forever. Sweeping statements but can be justified and again, you know, listen to these addresses um, at other times. So wh why would perhaps only Matthew use the kingdom of heaven? Because in the other gospels it's got about the kingdom of God. Well, basically there isn't any difference. Um, they, they both mean the same but Matthew writes it exclusively in his and I would suggest the reason is quite simply because Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews and that's why he used the phrase now it's interesting that Jesus uses a series of parables in Matthew chapter 13 it's very interesting why there is a lot of parables there there are seven in actual fact in that chapter now um, only six actually start with the kingdom of heaven. The seventh parable is the parable of the sower. And I know that you have looked at that before in a, in, in a previous talk. So we have six parables in Matthew 13 that commences with that start. But it isn't exclusively there. Um, if we look at the remainder of the parables and we find they're all contained in Matthew because of the phrase the kingdom of heaven but for example we look at chapter 22 of Matthew and we read in verse 2 the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son so there we have an introduction we're only going to look at that introduction there was another parable which he uh, spoke then if we turn uh, over to chapter 25 we read there verse 1 then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins and so it goes on again it's another parable uh, and we will look at this one but we won't look at the others and then we go on to verse 14 of that chapter chapter 25 for the kingdom of heaven is as a man travelling into a far country another parable and if we go back a few pages to uh, Matthew 20 and verse 1 for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder and then finally back to chapter 18 and verse 23 therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king so you can see that Jesus was profuse in likening the kingdom of heaven to everyday things. And, and we shall see as we go through some of them how he compares and contrasts these things. But they're always applicable to this kingdom. And that's the important part of the teaching. Now, it's been said, and I'm sure you've heard it, and they said in school, don't they? Um, a parable um, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Um, it's a bit of an oversimplification, but what we do know is the stories that Jesus told in parables are very much um, 
well known, like the sower and the seed of clearly, um, like the Good Samaritan and so forth. So we're going to start looking at these parables um, and we'll look first at the chapter we had read as an introduction. Now, before you, before you tell me, I know it doesn't contain the kingdom of heaven. But what I want to try to do is to put the parables of the kingdom of heaven, just those we shall consider, and there won't be all of them, I want to try and put them in a progression of thought. They're not always the way and the order in which Jesus did them, but he has spoken them at some time. And I want to try and, and put them in a progression. And that progression is all about what we must do to be saved. But I've chosen that parable in Luke's 12 because it's not a parable of the kingdom of heaven. In fact, uh, far from it in a sense because it doesn't finish it or liken it. But it's a very, very good starting point to our progression of thought. Now again, we don't really need to go into that chapter or the parable for that matter. What we do want to do is just glean a few lessons from it. What is Jesus trying to get over in this parable about the rich man? Well, if you go through it just afterwards quietly and read it all again, you'll find there is a word that keeps on occurring, and it's the word I. Uh, just a, a little example, um, verse 17, and he thought within himself, and that's very significant, isn't it? He thought within himself. He said, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits, my I, whichever. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my bar. And so we find this very selfish man in the parable that is and all he seemed to remember and concerned himself with was himself literally I this and I that and it's an interesting thought that in the Lord's Prayer when I was at school we always used to say the Lord's Prayer every day I don't know whether they do these days but and in the Lord's Prayer the first person singular never occurs so here was a man who was um, only concerned with himself he remembered the world, but only the world in which he was living in. He was only concerned with increasing his goods. He forgot his neighbours. He was having a good time. Eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow I die. He forgot time. Didn't realise that sometime he would die. And he also forgot God. Now that's only just a, a, a bit of a summary, if you like, of, of the parable. You can read it through again and you can see what I'm getting at. But what I want is, this is the starting point. Because Jesus at the end says, This is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. You see, he was, his life was taken basically, and what was all the use of the goods that he had? Now, why is it the starting point? Well, it's a choice, this life that we have. It's a choice whether we do this, whether we do that. And it's a choice whether we serve God or whether we don't serve God. And this choice was there and he forgot God. And so Jesus summarizes it by saying, So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There's another reference that says, Where your treasure is, your heart is also. And we know that, don't we, in every way, every, every way of life these days that you know, the things that we like and are attractive. We set our hearts on them. Really what Jesus is saying, set your heart on God. 
So that is our starting point. You know, without God, there's nothing in life. We die, and that's the end of it. There's a treasure. That's the word of God, which is good for us and makes us rich, not financially, but towards God. So, given that background, that life without God is useless, has no hope, hopelessness of life. We die without any hope. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 13 and look at the parables there because they're the parables of the kingdom of heaven and then we'll look at the virgins um, at the end so we go in first of all at verse 44 and it's a very very short parable indeed uh, and Jesus says again the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field the which when a man hath found he hideth and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field and that's it he doesn't say any more at all so what's the meaning of this parable and what's the background that would mean something to whom the people he was talking would understand well first of all we've got to remember that although it appears maybe to us as an unlikely story it was something that happened frequently in the land of Palestine they had endured many wars and it was often the case that houses were looted and other things were looted and the treasures if you like those things the valuables that were looted were hid in fields and, and random if you like they were just hid in fields um, in, in, in the common ground if you like so it wasn't that unlikely it would occur quite a lot now this man he found it now it's an interesting thought as to how he found it but that's not the purpose of the parable I want to go to the next parable now and come back to that one and the next one is only two verses anyway and the next one in verse 45 says again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he hath found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it so the common denominator there is both of these men were looking for something they were looking for something valuable in the first case they were looking for the treasure in the earth whatever it might be and in the second parable the man was looking for that really perfect pearl and these two parables illustrate what Jesus is talking about when he talks about treasure and the treasure of heaven the common thing is that they were both looking hard and both sold everything that they had that's the key to this story you see it's there wouldn't it when a man hath found he hideth so this man had found this you know treasure and he hid it you know you might even think that was sharp practice but, but there we are that's what they did in those days so it wasn't you and for the joy therefore he selleth all that he had and that's exactly what the man did with the pearl of great price he sold everything that's the first thing the second thing is neither of them waited they went and got the money or whatever it was to buy 
in the first case the field and to, to buy the pearl and they sold everything they had so that they could buy the pearl and the field it really is almost a sacrifice if you like and so they were searching for something that was valuable now we search for something that's valuable these days and that's a place in the kingdom of God and we have to search hard and we have to give everything up to be able to search for that not that we have to give all our money up or anything like that that's not the meaning of it it means we've got to put everything into buying we can't buy the kingdom of God or a place but putting our whole heart into seeking for the great pearl if you like and sometimes that seeking can be quite quick the man in the field he almost came across it accidentally if you like whereas the other one was seeking it and probably it seems had been seeking for a long time and that is another lesson for us that when we understand the word of God and we feel the need to be baptized into the saving name of Jesus it can come in any time of our life you know we could be searching for the truth over a couple of years or over many many years and the call this comes at different times and we've got to be ready but the pearl of great price the treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ that's it and the hope and the treasure is a, a gift of a place in his kingdom. The hope of life, in, life eternal. There, there is nothing else in life that is so worthwhile as that. So worthwhile that they both gave up everything to get that great prize. And, and so we must. So there's this progression going on. You may not notice it yet, but it is. So let's go to the next parable which Jesus spake. And that's in verse 47. Again the kingdom of heaven. Here we are every time. Again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net. That was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Which when it was full they drew to shore and sat down. And gathered the good into vessels but cast the bad away. Lots of fishermen and lots of fishing done in those days in which Jesus spake. So they would all be acquainted with this. And it's a picture of, well, it's a dragnet really. And it's a, a large square net with corks on the top to, to make the net balance, of course. And at the bottom weights to keep it in the water. And the fishermen would pull the net along. And of course, as it was pulled from behind the ship, then it would collect all sorts of fish. Whatever happened to be in the way of it was caught in the bag. And at the end of it, of course, he says, they gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So there was a selection of fish at the end, and probably a lot of debris, no doubt, as well. So another important thing that the Lord Jesus is teaching is that there was a separation, if you like. Now, let me just go on to the next verse, which I purposely kept to now so shall it be at the end of the world you see at the end of the world is a figure that's used in scripture to indicate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ he'll come at the end of the world it's not the end of the world as we know it because 
we know that the world will not be destroyed because it's going to be inhabited but it's the end of the world when Jesus comes so he's saying at the end of the world the angels shall come forth and sever from the, the wicked from among the unjust it's not interesting so you see what he's doing is Jesus is doing is lightening the the fish in the net which are caught and separated he's saying at the end of the world just before the kingdom of heaven is established that same procedure will go uh, go on so it's a, a, a process of selection if you like and in the ancient world there were lots of uh, barriers and divisions you know there were Greek and barbarian slave and free wise and, and so we could go on but again let's not miss some of the ideas that there it says the kingdom of net like unto a net cast into it and gathered of every kind so you see if you liken that to what we're trying to do the call if you like the call of the word of God the call of the gospel the good news it's open to everybody God isn't exclusive in what he says uh, or what are those that are called he's saying they gathered of every kind you see and if you turn to the second of Peter and chapter 3 we'll see that endorsed again the apostle Peter in chapter 3 says in verse 9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness but is long suffering to us Lord not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance then he goes on to talk about the day of the Lord same ideas back there so you see God is merciful God is extending an offer to every one of us but what he's saying is we have to repent and that means a change of mind we've got to think less about living in the world and enjoying the, the comforts and everything of the world not that that's wrong but the priorities and the priorities should be serving uh, the Lord Jesus Christ he said the same didn't he in that well known verse God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whosoever believeth him should not perish but have, have everlasting life there's the promise that we shouldn't perish that we shouldn't be severed from the wicked or severed from the just you know that there is a wonderful hope for us but we've got to believe and so we have this picture don't we of the net catching everybody but not everybody is kept if you like the others are thrown away they're no use so the parable that Jesus is saying is there is a hope for every one of you but you've got to do the right things because at some time there will be a judgment we'll say a judgment there will be a time when the wicked are separated from among the just and he uses a simple illustration everyday illustration and we could look not under the kingdom of heaven but there's lots of parables like tares and the wheat the goats and the sheep where there is a separation that takes place we call it and scripture calls it a judgment at the end so you see although the parable says that anybody can partake of this wonderful hope there are certain conditions placed on it and those conditions as we found 
with the other parables you have to follow the Lord Jesus Christ now there's lots of parables about seeds in scripture or not lots but there are now there's that wonderful one of the parable of the sower which I know you've already um, had a look at and it doesn't actually start the kingdom of heaven is like a sower who went forth which is how uh, the parable starts but can I just read a couple of verses there because they lead me into the next kingdom parable and he's told the parable of the sower and he actually leaves them in no doubt uh, they have to make a judgment of course in the end but he leaves them in no doubt whatsoever as to what it's all about uh, and so he says hear ye therefore the parable of the sower when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart this is the one that receives seed by the wayside then we quoted the one about the ones in the stony uh, soil and then the one about the thorns and really it's all about how we use the word of God and how we walk but let me then go having very quickly because I'm assuming you heard the last parable I'm sure it went on let's go to the next one which is in verse 31 going back a little bit now another parable put he forth unto them saying the kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all seeds but when it is grown it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof that's uh, interesting now we know that mustard seed is a very small seed anyway so there's nothing there but um, I suspect it's not the mustard seed that we we know of these days what's he he's got a picture hasn't he that like all plants you plant a seed you sow it in a field and you let it germinate and it grows and he's saying in this case they plant the grain of mustard seed and then at some time when it's grown it becomes huge tree so what's the lesson of that what's he trying to get at well first of all he's really saying from the smallest of beginnings to something very great in the end that's what's happening a small beginning and a great ending do you know what that is it's the kingdom of heaven is like that it starts in a small way when we first embrace the word of God and it finishes in a big triumphant way a big tree is formed at the very end and a place in the kingdom that's, the, that's the, the fruition if you like that's the end of it all and the other interesting thing is all the time that that mustard seed and indeed any seed for that matter when it's growing in the ground you don't see anything do you you don't see anything at all it's only visible at the very end and you know when we talk about our life and serving God we talk about it as a pilgrimage actually because that's what it is but it should be a thing of growth you know all seeds mustard seed in this case it grows and so when we listen to the parables of Jesus like this one he's saying that our life must be like the mustard seed a thing of growth and of course as we get older and we read more about the scriptures and we learn more about the teachings of Jesus 
then we too hopefully grow in that knowledge and understanding and the other important thing is though God sows the seed which we use as the word of God the soil is ourselves why do I say that? well because that's what's said anyway the soil has got to be receptive you know not, not that I'm a, a gardener or anything but you know if you don't plant it in good soil and if you don't fertilise it it doesn't grow does it unfortunately the grass doesn't really go green and I put some ammonium sulphate on it or something like that and, and then it comes lovely and green so you've got to feed it clearly and that's what we're doing here and the soil if you like we provide the soil in which this germ the seed grows now what's interesting is every year that soil changes or it may change and every year you've got to put more fertiliser on it haven't you, to make it grow and that's what happens there's a gradual growth and it requires God but man must allow the conditions to exist to grow and that's it exactly we are the soil and we have to provide those conditions that allows that mustard seed to grow like in our lives and we grow so there's a few lessons there for us to think about I'm going to turn now to um, Matthew 25 I hope you can understand what Jesus is saying he's saying you know we can't stay still we have to grow we have to learn we have to increase our knowledge and we can only do that by reading the Bible and I'm going to go to the parable of the virgins now which is in um, in uh, chapter 25 of the um, Gospel of Matthew now this is another very familiar one and starts then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom now I'm not going to read it all through because A we do read it regularly and if you happen to be looking on the video or whatever then do read it but we want to pick out one or two interesting lessons from it first of all this was a situation that you would anticipate in the land of Palestine you know we're so organised these days that um, you know if the wedding's at uh, 11 o'clock say in the morning we're all there sharp you know sat in the audience a groom is patiently waiting for his bride who I'm told has the prerogative of being a little bit late but 11 o'clock and we start in the days when Jesus wandered through the land of Palestine weddings weren't quite like that very often the groom had to come from a long way off whether it's the groom um, or, or the bridegroom for that matter they might have to travel a long long way even days to get there so very often you couldn't be so precise as to say he'll be here at XYZ indeed sometimes he might come in the evening when it's dark and so Jesus tells us about this parable and the first thing to learn about it is that these ten virgins who were waiting in, in the parable uh, they were waiting to go forth and meet the bridegroom and it says five of them are wise and five were foolish and I've said it before and I'll say it again the interesting thing about Jesus is the words that he used 
he didn't say all ten were, were bad, they were evil, or anything like that, or for that matter, they were good. What he uses is the words wise and foolish. And so it's foolish in the sense of not to be ready. Now, we have to realize that when Jesus told this parable, he also had in mind another wedding in Scripture, which is related again to when the Lord Jesus comes. And it's related to a marriage, if you like. And Jesus is the bridegroom, and those who are found faithful are the bride, those who've been waiting for him to come. And so he uses the word wise and foolish. And the foolish ones were those who didn't have enough oil in their lamps to keep it burning bright. And so he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like that. And there are those foolish ones who are waiting for Jesus to come and just let things carry on as they were before, you know, eat, drink and be merry. But there were wise ones, not evil. Doesn't even say good, they were, they were wise though, weren't they? But let's go down a little bit further because it says in verse 8 the foolish because the oil had gone out for the lamp had gone out of these foolish virgins it says and the foolish said unto the wise give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out they no longer had enough oil they 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 didn't have but but very interesting if you've got an authorised version and maybe in the other versions you've got on the phrase are gone out the margin says going out so this seems to suggest that it wasn't an instant although it was inevitably an instant when they went out but the oil had been getting low over a period of time and they hadn't been noticing it and so Jesus says that these five virgins they were kept outside the door was closed when they had enough uh, lamp, uh, enough oil for their lamps the door was closed and though they said they came Lord Lord open to us he answered and said verily I say unto you I know you not so because of their foolishness they were not given this hope now the message is clear and we ask all of us to make sure that we're wise that we are waiting that we are watching that when he comes at a time we don't know of but unexpectedly we've got enough oil we've got enough in our hearts and minds that we've learned about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's a wonderful parable for us to concern but there are other lessons there the first one is that we've got to be prepared. That's the most important. You know, we we can't get ready in the last minute. You know, it's not no good saying, well, yeah, I I, I think you Christians to get interesting things, but you know, I'll I'll leave it. I'll wait. You know, and then perhaps some signs indicate. You know, it could be too late. You've got to do it straight away when you know it's right to do it because you can't get ready at the last moment. There's not enough time let me illustrate that in another way taking the opportunity when it comes um, if you're a footballer say um, and you get you know, in the team and you get fouled or something or damage yourself you can't play you know very well that your replacement isn't someone who's just sort of got to get changed and get ready he's been on the bench he's been warming up he's been running up and down 
or it may be a play and the principal, I don't know, maybe an opera or something, the principal loses her voice or something like that. Now the understudy comes in but is prepared. And this is it. It's the great preparation that's really needed. Some things can't be borrowed. The oil couldn't be borrowed and neither can faith. You've got to have it yourself. And you're always watching because the door is shut. Now another lesson here. And it is the lesson again of selection. We read of course that the five wise went into the marriage and the five foolish were excluded. And the parable finishes up Watch therefore for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. That's the key to all of these things to be prepared to be watching and to be waiting. And the great marriage, as we said, is the gift of everlasting life in the kingdom. And our hope and prayer is that Jesus will soon be here. Now there are some things there that we've almost asked you to take for granted, simply because we haven't got time. We've been trying to pick a few of the parables that give us lessons to help us. Lessons that help us when we try to follow Jesus. Now, I hope, therefore, through considering those parables, you see the progression of thought. We started off, didn't we, about the parable of the rich man, who had absolutely no future whatsoever. He had everything in his life that he wanted. He had barns, food, everything, but didn't want to give any of it away. He was selfish, but realized that in the end, trusting in ourselves achieves nothing. And this life is pretty hopeless without a hope obviously so we need to be rich toward God is what it said so we've got to recognise and turn to God to help us and to help us we search the next step is to search for that pearl of great price be prepared to sacrifice ourselves to understand what Jesus is teaching and we look and we read his word what he's asked us to do and then he does offer salvation to every one of us if we're prepared to take it whatever walk of life and then fourthly it must allow we must allow the word of God to grow in our lives and we can only do that by reading and digesting those things we've got to grow and increase our faith we've got to be prepared we have to be watching and we have to be waiting. And finally we see that there is a separation or a selection is perhaps a better word. A selection. And the some are given everlasting life and the others are cast away. We might think that the parables are pretty old fashioned things. They're in the Bible but so what? But I would suggest to you that the parables we've looked at are very relevant today and very relevant to the lives that we should be living. They're wonderful parables that give us a great hope and tell us exactly what we have to do. So I would commend to you verse 51 of that chapter which we spent most of our time in. Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. Let's hope we say the same. We hope you enjoyed that talk. 
For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Music